The heart of every man craves a great adventure, but life doesn't usually feel that way. Jesus speaks of narrow gates and wide roads, but the masculine journey is filled with many twists and turns. So how do we keep from losing heart while trying to find the good way when life feels more like a losing battle than something worth dying for? Grab your gear and come on a quest with your band of brothers who will serve as the guides in what we call the masculine journey. The Masculine Journey starts here, now. Welcome to Masculine Journey. We are really glad to have you with us on this uh, June Saturday. Can you guys believe it's June already? It is. What's the second weekend? I guess I should say last weekend. Can you believe it's June already? It's busting out all over. (laughs) It is. You know, it's like in a couple weeks, it's going to be July. You know, and so, yeah, I was surprised. It just seems like this year's flying. But. uh Today's topic, I think you're going to enjoy. It It actually came about because I was talking with somebody trying to explain what Masculine Journey was about. And it's kind of hard to do that. I, mean, I don't know how you really put a label on, on what God calls us to do. And if you've ever been to a boot camp, you kind of understand why. I, I guess we'd say that we're called to try to help others find God in different ways. But, you know, how do you explain that even? And, and so part of what I was telling somebody was, we help men understand what it truly means to be a Christian man. It might not be, it's definitely not what you see on TV, typically. It's usually not presented in the best light on TV. It may not be what you heard in church. It may not be what you believed. But what does the Bible say? What's the things that are reflected in Jesus' life? Because that's what we're called to do. We're called to reflect Jesus as Christian men. And so we're going to talk about that over the next couple of weeks. And this week we're talking about compassion versus Something, right? Robbie, what would you say? Compassion versus what would be on the other side of compassion? Well, a lot of people, when they picture Christians, as I found out one time by a lady who came up and was going to give me a donation for what we were doing when she found out we were Christians with the Truth Network, she went, she tore up the check right in front of me. You need to quit hating so much. So obviously there's this aspect that certain people in society feel like you know, that we take a really hard line and, and that that we're haters. Yeah. I mean, you could say they're just rigid. Right. Right. Unbending. And that's different than unyielding. I mean, they may sound the same, you know, but unbending is just a very, very rigid thing that, that people do. And that could be part of it. Andy, what would be another word you would use? There's different aspects, I think, to compassion or, or the or the opposite of that i think of it as kind of an in, indifference mm-hmm. i may have a moment of compassion where i move to help somebody out or whatever but unless i and this is what i think i struggle with i get caught up in my daily routine or whatever and it gets me away from having that consistent heart of compassion to where i'm not just doing things you know as they come to me but i'm looking intentionally of opportunities to have compassion and help people out in daily life instead of it just all being about me Absolutely. And, and then I guess the term that I would use that comes to mind for me, I agree with both you guys, um, would be cold-heartedness. Just really uncaring, unfeeling, just you know, distant kind of thing. But we're going to go to a clip. Now, when, when, when the cold-hearted, because you don't care what people's names are. Oh, that's true. How they pronounce them. You know, that, or forget people's names, <laughs> <laughs> as my friend, friend Robai does here. And uh, we're going to go ahead. We're going to listen to this clip, and it's a fun clip, so I think you'll enjoy it. All right, listen up, y'all. I'm y'all substitute teacher, Mr. Garvey. I taught school for 20 years in the inner city, so don't even think about messing with me. Y'all feel me? 
Okay. Let's take a roll here. Jay Quellen. Where's Jay Quellen at? No Jay Quellen here? Yeah. Uh, do you mean Jacqueline? Okay. So that's how it's gonna be. Y'all wanna play. Okay, then. I've got my eye on you, Jay Quellen. Balake. Where is Balake at? No Balake here today. Yes, sir. My name's Blake. Are you out of your mind? Blake. What? Do you want to go to war, Balaki? No. Because we could go to war. No. I'm for real. I'm for real. So you better check yourself. D-nice. <laughs> Is there a D-nice? If one of y'all says mm. some silly name, this whole class is going to feel my wrath. Now, D-nice. Do you mean Denise? <laughs> You say your name right, right now. Denise. Say it right. Denise. Correctly. Denise. Right. Denise. Right. D-nice. That's better. <laughs> Thank you. Now, A.A. Ron, where are you? Where is A.A. Ron right now? No A.A. Ron, huh? Well, you better be sick, dead, or mute, A.A. Ron. Here. Oh, man. Why didn't you answer me the first time I said it, huh? Huh? I'm just, you know, I'm just asking, you know, I said it like four times, so why didn't you say it the first time I said A-A-Ron? Because it's pronounced Aaron. Son of a <laughs> You done messed up, A-A-Ron! Now take your own down to O'Shag Hennessy's office right now and tell him exactly what you did! Who? O'Shag Hennessy! Principal O'Shaughnessy? Get out of my classroom! Now, Timothy. Present. Thank you. All right, listen up. <laughs> Start to play that one again. Oh my! We, you guys couldn't couldn't see us obviously, but we were just holding back laughter. There's just something funny about that. But but Robbie, you were talking about you know that kind of shows a lack of caring, you know, which was was what we were talking a little bit about. Yeah, which it, it is grace that Jesus had, and that has to do with favor. So you knew when you are. We actually know when we're in Jesus's presence, hopefully daily, hourly, that, wow, I'm, I'm his favorite. And you can feel that. So he obviously would have a pretty good idea what your name is, how, do you, how you pronounce it, whatever. But here you have somebody who is totally on his own agenda. You know, he's got his own thing. He's, he's living in the smaller story. And he isn't seeing that there's anybody there other than himself. And obviously he's tad angry. <laughs> and Howard, you have a relevant story to this, don't you? Howard, Harold, I did what you do every time. Wow, that that like that shows lack of compassion on my part. Hey, Harold. Hey, 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 Harold. All we need to do now is add in something about age, and and we'd be there. Well, when you gave me that blank stare, I was like, "What do I do?" Uh, Well, I have to admit that uh, I pulled something last evening that was a little bit similar, although the motive was was different. Uh, had to go down to the Charlotte airport to pick up a young lady that was coming in for a program. And we had stopped at a Chick-fil-A, and the young lady that waited on us, her name tag was Sincere. And um, I, while I was waiting, I said, I, I don't want to be offensive, but I said, uh, how do you pronounce your name? Is it Sincere or is it Sincere? And she laughed and smiled, and she said, it's Sincere. And before we left, I told her, I said, if you move to a new town where nobody knows you, 
Your name is Sensoray. It just sounds so much better. <laughs> <laughs> but names are important. And uh, we laugh and joke here because uh, Robbie frequently calls me Howard. Well, there is a Howard who works here, so it's understandable. And I laugh about it. I, I really thought you were going for our producer, Howard. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't talking about Howard. <laughs> I was talking about, about Harold. I just messed oh, up. Oh, okay. Well, Harold, thank you. I. That's the thing about these names and getting to know people at that level. I, I got to be honest. I struggle sometimes to remember names, and I've been challenging myself for a long time to get better at it because it shows a level of engagement, passion, or compassion, empathy. We're going to play a clip here. I think we have time for it for um, the vision of cold-heartedness. I want you to see this and see if you can hear a Christian man. And I'm not judging this person, but I'm just saying, is this what you would consider to be a Christian man? And what's happened is it's a man whose brother has died, and he's meeting with the widow, his brother's widow, and the family. You must bear up against sorrow, Mom. I always do. Mine was no common loss. Well, it was no uncommon loss. Husbands die every day. And wives. And brothers also. Yes, and puppies too. Mom, you did not mention what my brother's complaint was. We feel he died of a broken heart. Oh, pooh, there's no such thing. Indeed, if you have no heart to break. In your letter, you said uh, the creditors had administered and there was nothing left for you. We tried to sell the house, but no one seemed to want a little home like ours. So you spent what little remained coming all the way to London to see what I could do for you. It was your brother's dying wish. You might do something for his children. How is it when a man dies without any property of his own, he thinks he has the right to dispose of other people? What a feckless, inconsiderate man. Our father, your brother, had a noble heart. Which beats no more. Wow. (laughs) It it does seem like wow, but as I listen to that, I picture myself at a Christian funeral. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, where I've heard people actually say things like, you know, well, Jesus promised he's going to comfort you. You know, that, that if you have faith, this really wouldn't, you know, you'd be glad that the person's up in heaven. All sorts of interesting things come out there, like, mm-hmm. you, you know, that really don't speak to, you know, the brokenheartedness of the situation. And it's been my experience that Christians are more tender-hearted about situations like that than less. Right. As you look at Scripture, you know, trying to go back, trying to find a time when Jesus lacked compassion. You know, I don't think you can really find one. Right. I mean, you could talk about how he treated the Pharisees. I mean, he was pretty harsh with the Pharisees, but he was speaking truth to them in, in a way they needed to hear it. And there was there was definitely some... Uh, forthrightness, I guess you would say, some you know strong, strong words towards them, but they were also responsible for being teachers of the law, and so they were leading other people astray. But you know, when I think of the woman at the well, that's not how he treated her heart. I mean, he still spoke truth to her, and so I think as Christians, there's there's times that you know we need to speak truth to people, but it's all in how we do it. Robbie, in that clip, 
you know, you, you everybody's probably met somebody along the way, if you've been a Christian for a while, that you would consider to be legalistic and how hard it is to kind of work with that person. But legalism has a way of working its way into our church and into our groups if we're not careful. I mean, it's, it's something that the enemy loves to, to put in there. Jesus yeah. had a perfect example of the woman taken in adultery. And uh, he says, okay, if you don't have any sin, go ahead and throw a rock. Yeah. Nobody threw a rock. And he didn't condemn the woman. He just told her to go and sin no more. Yeah, I could, I've got a whole lot on that, you know, where we end up in clicky situations and situations with Christian schools. With, there's a lot of, to talk about right there. And we will talk about being compassionate. We do have a great clip on that. You don't want to miss that. And speaking of things you don't want to miss, we have a boot coming up, boot camp coming up. November with Howard. With Howard. <laughs> November 9th through 12th. Please go register at MasculineJourneyRadio.org. Again, that's MasculineJourneyRadio.org. Hi, this is Sam with Masculine Journey. I'm here with my son, Eli. We're going to talk about ways that you can help support the ministry. One way, you can go to smile.amazon.com. There's information on our website there on how to do that. Then you can go to facebook.com where you can click the donate button. Or you can go to MasculineJourneyRadio.org. Once again, look for the donate button. Or if you want to mail something in, mail it to P.O. Box 550, Kernersville, North Carolina, 27285. Sam, this November's boot camp could literally change a lot of men's life. I talk to a lot of men, they're saying... They say they don't know what their place is in the grand scheme of things. They don't know how to behave as Christian men. God designed us for freedom, and it's coming up at this boot camp. It is. Go to MasculineJourneyRadio.org to register now. Just $169 early bird pricing for four amazing days. Go to MasculineJourneyRadio.org. Register now. Well, we did that music a little early, but uh, no, it made the point. Walk like a man, talk like a man, call me a man. So, what what is a Christian man? And that's we're talking about one aspect of that. This week is is a Christian man is compassionate. Robbie, when we left, we're talking about how legalism can kind of make its way into our church, into our small group, into lots of places where Christians are if we're not careful. Yeah, and it's always easier to see in somebody else than ourselves. <laughs> I don't know why that is, but I can remember I was on a day school committee at one point in time with a Christian school, and it was obvious to so many members of that day school committee that the students became very clicky that, you know, because I went to a Christian school, that made me better than somebody that went to a public school. And so when Sunday came, the kids didn't mix, and there was all this conflict that was going on because they considered themselves, because they were Christians, to be of higher moral stature, et cetera, et cetera, than the, you know, than the other group. The thing that I found hilarious in that is that if you'd gone to these same people's Sunday school that, you know, where similar groups had formed within the Sunday school of, you know, these were the righteous and these were the unrighteous, <laughs> you know, based on, you know, several other issues and... You know, the the challenge for me is to look at myself and go, where is it really, you know, that I find my, you know, do I really need to make these comparisons or do I need to look at everybody as an individual? So, 
Yeah, and we talked earlier about unbending and unyielding. You know, for me, unyielding is giving in to the world. I've yielded, I've given away. Unbending is just kind of like a, a, a tree in the wind. You know, sometimes it has to give, not to break. And and that's where, you know, I can go in and I can not approve or like what somebody's doing that may be against Scripture. doesn't mean I can't love on them. doesn't mean i got to treat them harshly. It, it means I can just be very honest and say I don't agree with that, but I love you anyway. And I think a lot of times the pictures that people get of Christians, um, especially in the news, uh, don't really show a whole lot of love there. And, and I think that's a lot of why a lady, like you said, tears up a check or things of that nature. And we got to remember, we're in a world that is not designed for Christians. I mean, we we are kind of behind enemy lines. And so when we see things on TV, we shouldn't really be surprised because that is the world. You know, and the world is going to be against us. And Jesus says that people will not understand you. And that's what we see. But we got to put our best foot forward to go out and show that love and compassion. And we have probably the best clip for, for compassion. Robbie, you want to set it up? Yeah, it's from the movie Le Miserable, which I'm sure I destroyed that. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, Jean Valjean himself tr- received a phenomenal amount of grace from a bishop slash Jesus in order to be forgiven and has found himself in a new life. But then there's this poor, essentially prostitute, mm-hmm. who was abused by some men and then arrested and and mistreated and now she's got tuberculosis and she's literally dying and she is very worried about her daughter and where the police in this in this particular situation are wanting to lock her up whatever because she is a prostitute but there's life involved and there's grace involved and it's a beautiful clip you need to rest Don't worry. I'll bring your daughter to you. I'm going to the Genardiers. No, I can't. I'll send the money to bring Cassette here. She can't live with me. Of course she can. She will. She'll attend the school and you won't have any more worries. When you're better, I'll find work for you. But you don't understand. I'm a whore. And Cosette has no father. She has the Lord. He is her father. And you are his creation. In his eyes, you've never been anything but an innocent and beautiful woman. Robbie, that's a, a clip we've used pretty often at boot camp to kind of just show that compassion side to men and help them understand what that looks like. And, and what, it, what it means to love a woman well without necessarily wanting something in return. And, you know, that, that is such a picture of that. You, it's hard to pick it up in the, just the audio. But, of course, her being a prostitute, she sees him. He's trying to get her clothes dry, so he's unbuttoning you know, part of her, what she's wearing. And um, she's assuming that he wants to take advantage of her. And so when he won't accept the kiss, she's like, what is this? 
I've never seen this before. You, are you a real man? And and the the bottom line to it, Sam, is she may be the he may be the only real man she's met. Oh, absolutely. And if you've watched this movie, you know the person that's supposed to be the one standing up for justice is the one that's really the legalist holding the line that's that's not having any grace at all or any any compassion of any kind in the movie. And it's such a great portrayal when you watch it. There's some great scenes in it. It's it's one that, uh, for me personally, I wasn't a big fan of the movie, but I loved the clips that were in it. They were just so amazing that they continue to speak to me. Um, but uh, it, it it is a good movie to watch when you get to see Grace and you get to see some of the st- stuff we're talking about. Andy, when I say compassion, or Robbie, or, or Harold, I said it right <laughs> that time. Um, <laughs> when I say compassion, what's that word really speak to you? If someone said, you know, what does compassion mean? I guess the the thing when you look at, um, you know, our example for compassion has to be Jesus himself. And I talked about many times about how he was moved with compassion, whether it be for raising Lazarus from the dead or heal, uh, one of his many healing accounts. But he he was moved with compassion. And it was, to me, I just look at it as, as human love or God, not human love, but God's love going, coming through a human to reach out to another human, uh, uh, just hum, uh, just a a move of the divine to the not divine, and just uh, a concern for that that individual with like what Robbie was saying, with not expecting anything in return, and that's the difference in a lot of attempts of man's love is is it's always expecting something in return, and that's really not love, but compassion is the absence of that expecting anything in return. I, I'm here to benefit you without expecting anything in return. Right. Robbie, what about you? How would you classify compassion? Or, well, that's interesting. I find the opposite again. I remember when I first started the, the Jesus Labor Love program, I went trying to find people to help these, you know, and, and being in the car business, I could relate to what they were telling me, and one particular dealer that clearly could have easily helped. What he said, I don't want those junky cars. And he, that's not the word he used. I don't want those junky cars in here. That you know, once you fix one thing, there'll be another thing and another thing. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of time. If you fix their car, they're just going to be back and it's going to be broken again. Wow. And I was like, what? the sad news is, everything he said was true. cars they'll continue to break that brand new 2017 will do the exact same thing over a period of time if you fix it it will break again and it will break again but in the meantime you know this person has a chance to experience life has a chance to take their kids to school whatever but when you're up against it and why should we do this that's a question that's always underlining so much of what we walk through it is. Harold, you got a, a thought on that? Uh, Sam, something I read in your book uh, just recently uh, I think relates to this. Uh, I think our attitude uh, toward other people affects whether or not we act in compassion. And what I read in your book talked about the difference between looking through a window and looking in a mirror. And I think if we more often looked in a mirror to see ourselves as we really are, then when we went back and looked out the window, we would see people slightly different and have a different attitude toward them and be more willing to reach out 
Thank you. That's uh, and the title of that book that everybody should go out. And get. <laughs> Strengthening your good heart. There you go. It, you can it, find it on Amazon and lots of different places. It, it is a really good book. I am thoroughly enjoying. It. It's, it's a daily devotional, and uh, Sam's done a wonderful thing there. Well, thank you. It's uh, you know I know it's God's words through me because I didn't remember writing that part. <laughs> But now I do it. I like it. It was good. You know, um, you wrote it for Howard. <laughs> yeah, for Howard. Uh, we got a couple minutes here, but if you guys can think of stories where Jesus, if we model ourselves after Jesus, when did he show compassion? And I'm going to steal the good, the, an easy one here. But if you go back and you look at the story of the leper that he healed, he didn't just heal the leper. If you look at the scripture, he touched him first, and then he healed him. And there was such a healing of the heart in that. Because the thing that he's never had in years is being touched because then that other person would become dirty, right? And so he's missed the touch of another person. And Jesus knew that he needed his body healed, but he needed his heart and the inside healed. And so he touched him first and let him feel that love, and then he healed his body. And for me, that is just the embodiment, as I look at that, of compassion. I know exactly where you are, and I want to help you get through that. For me, it's what he did for me personally because I can remember I was terrified of the dark and I screamed out to him one night, you know, you got to help me. I can't take this anymore being afraid of the dark. And and he showed up for me in prayer and said clearly to me, Robbie, what's the worst thing that could happen? And I was like, well, somebody could come in here with a knife. and ah, You know, and it just, I was terrified. And he said to me, Robbie, what would be so bad about that? And he walked me into, wait a minute, I'm that's threatening me with you. I would be with you forever. And it really, he healed me through a conversation there. And I have never been the same. And I never will be the same because he literally took that fear, the compassion he had for me, just a chicken laying there in bed, telling my wife to go up and check on the noises. You know, he made it better. <laughs> I just love the story when the woman put the oil on his feet and with her tears and wiped it with her hair. And the guy that invited him into his house didn't even give him any water to wash his feet. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way he treated that woman. Yeah, he definitely treated her with love and compassion. And there's so many more stories because that's who Jesus was. And that's who we're called to be more like. But we cannot do that on our own. We can't just say, I'm going to be more compassionate tomorrow. That's where you got to turn to the Holy Spirit and say, please guide me, direct me. Open up these things in my heart to help me find that compassion that mirrors God's love to others. And so I challenge you this week to go out and be praying to him saying, God, just help me find that compassion that you want me to have. Help me to see it clearly through your eyes. See you next week.